Welcome to Prop Chat. We are here to talk about property, the ups, the downs, and how you can get started in property investing. And now, here's your host, Dave McGlashan. Hello and welcome to Prop Chat. I'm Dave McGlashan, your host, and I'm sitting here with Lawrence Bull. How are you doing, Lawrence? Good, Dave. Thanks for having me on the show again. Good. I wrangled Lawrence in for Oy. a bit of a Monday mental session because Lawrence is currently one of the people I respect as an authority in student accommodation. Thank you. And I wanted to get your insight, Lawrence, on student accommodation. So I think let's let's first start with a nice broad question. What is student accommodation? Well, yeah, it's accommodation uh, for students, technically multi-lets. So a buy-to-let is one house, one person or one tenant, multi-let, one house, multiple tenants. So student accommodation is a type of multi-let. Um, and I think in South Africa, it's probably the area most people should and, and, and should be going for because of the demand. So there's currently, you know, over 300,000 beds short in mm, South yeah. Africa alone in the student accommodation world. And, and maybe Dave, you can talk a bit more from a Western Cape point of view. Um, but from a Gauteng point of view, the demand is huge. And that's why I think it's a good opportunity for people to get into. Yeah, look, I think from the coastlands, and I can speak for about the coast, was PE, Cape Town, yeah. the markets I know quite well. The, it's, it's, the demand is really strong. Um, slightly higher skewed on the market and the people who you're tenanting in those areas, but the demand's there, the huge, it's huge. I mean, Cape Town, we're renting on the top end like almost 6,000 rand a room. And that's Jeez. fantastic. Yeah, no, that's so, fantastic. So, so tell, tell, tell the audience why student accommodation and who should be looking at student accommodation? What is the benefits and the outcomes of that strategy? Um, yeah, I think, I think the benefits is it's definitely high returns. You know, um, if you look at a, at a at a deal in Cape Town, in, in Johannesburg, we get about 3,000 rand per bed. Um, and you can easily find a 10 bed uh, you know, that's generating 30,000 rand in, in monthly rental and you can buy it for 1.2, 1.5 million. You know, those are the kind yeah. of deals that are available mm. every third or fourth deal in, in Brixton, Freiradorp, those kind of Joburg areas. So I think from a financial point of view, it makes a lot of sense. I do think you require a bit of capital. Yeah. So it's it for me, it's not someone starting out on their property journey. It's someone who's maybe done a couple of flips, has got two, three, four hundred thousand rand in capital. Now the challenge is, if you want to buy, let's say, a five bed in Brixton, you want to convert it to a ten bed. Yeah, you can't necessarily get a loan for the full amount. The bank will look at that and say it's multi-let. They might not want to touch it, or they'll say, "I'll give you a home loan, but the value that I'm going to loan you against is going to be a lot less mm. than the actual purchase price." Yeah, and well, then you can look at a commercial valuation as well. Then you're getting sixty-five percent loans value or like a ten-year finance. Yeah, at twelve percent, <laughs> that doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, so look. Finance is a challenge. Deposits is a challenge. So it's definitely not your... You shouldn't start here. No, I wouldn't um, say it's your beginner investor. You, you could probably do like a rent-to-rent in the industry with student accommodation. Yeah. Um, but then because then you're using some set of finance or you could do an ISA, something like that. But yeah, as a whole, this is definitely a more advanced strategy. Mm. I think it also lacks some stability. So let's let's dive a bit into the risks. What, what are the challenges with student accommodation? Where do people go wrong and... Yeah, obviously, ten month leases is one of the huge things that people worry about. So, talk to me about the ten month lease and how you're overcoming that, and definitely just let's dive into sort of what are the problems with students. Look, the ten month lease, as you've mentioned, that is probably the key concern. But a way around that is you can target private uh, international students. So, you know, kids from Angola or Congo, their parents are willing to pay usually a premium rate, and also mm. they're usually willing to pay twelve months to guarantee the rent for the next year. So, 
my preferred strategy would be to go half the student accommodation local, the other half try for global international students so that you've got half of them paying the 10-month lease, the other half paying the 12-month lease. Yeah. Because obviously finding global tenants is, is a lot, or international students. Yeah, I know for, for my properties in Newlands, the, 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 the going market rents four or five per for a, for a bed. Uh, I'm doing four, but it, it's because I'm putting them on an 11 month lease, and then they have a 12. They essentially have a 12 month lease, but they're paying upfront for the full 11 months. Mm. So that's that's one of the ways I'm mitigating my risk, nice. is by essentially incentivizing them to do a full year's lease, with a bit of a discount on it. Yeah, that's clever because so, then they've got the storage for January and stuff like that. Yeah, and most students, especially second, third years, they want to come back to the same place that they lived yeah. in the first in, yeah, yeah. in second year. Um, another challenge is the monthly operating expenses. You know, mm. um, these students don't see this as a house; they see it as their party zone. So they'll not necessarily look after it that much. They'll also use the heaters and the you know the electrics as much as they want. They might take long baths. So th- those those monthly operating costs that can fluctuate. It's very important that you manage that. Mm. Most houses these days have electrical meters. You need to get a water meter. And then you need to assure that you put about 10% aside every month for maintenance costs. Because, the yeah, it's basically every two, three years you need to fully renovate the property. Yeah, and then I think you also need to essentially set out and go and say, this is what our fair usage policies are and this is how you can be penalized as a house. Yes. And there's a lot of ways to get um, get your tenants, and I talk tenants as a whole because I, I do more multi-lets in the UK, um, to get them holding each other accountable and to get them working together to help those sort of savings. 100%. Zoning, another big issue. Uh, mm. You need, you know... Um, to zone for communal use you know so that means you now have at least one parking bay for every four or five students depending on what kind of zoning you can get yeah uh you know you, you need bathrooms per student you need those kind of you no know, fire uh, um what's it an extinguisher in the kitchen you need fire these, safety regs. yeah fa- fire safety regulations so there's some uh, some some definite zoning requirements that you need to follow so i'd recommend that you go to nasfas.co.za uh, they're yeah. a financing house for students and there will be the criteria for how to become nasfas approved which basically means you've got communal status yeah and you've got a bit of a standard to live to to at least work towards and i think um fire safety is one of the things i I like to harp on about because joburg's got a bit of a formal commune status in their legislation for zoning ketan doesn't Mm. um so for me covering your covering your assets and protecting yourself is really important so when it comes to fire safety i talk a lot about fit your your student accommodations and your multi-tenant properties out like you would if it was an Airbnb, right? Mm. Make sure that this fire extinguishes, make sure that the exits are clearly marked and demarcated. Yeah. There's fire doors between the kitchen and the living areas. Those are the, guys, just do your research. Yeah. There are the, the requirements are all over mm. the internet. Find the, Get the right zoning. I think the last thing just before we end um, is cash flow issues. Mm. Now, NASFA's funding, they essentially are an institution that funds students for their accommodation. They sometimes struggle to pay January, February, March because of their systems being outdated. So they end up paying you in April for those previous months. Yeah. So technically, January, February, March are not getting paid. Plus, sometimes students don't rent November and December. Yeah. You know, so November, December, January, February, March, that's five months where you're not getting any revenue or any income, but you still have to pay your bond, your expenses, et cetera. Yeah. So I think the challenge that I see is a lot of people don't manage that issue, that cash flow issue. Um, mm. And we know some of them personally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and then it ends up screwing the deal over. So, yeah. Because then they get held up and then they get put get put into sort of challenge with the banks. Correct. I think my, my last question, because most people don't pay enough attention to this furnishing for students mm. to what standard are you furnishing how much per room do you have those figures like 
it's functional you know and again it depends on the type of student you're targeting so if you're targeting the upper end student you might be wanting to go with bigger finishes i you know i tend to stay at the low to middle income area i would say you probably need to put in a nice stainless steel bed a mattress uh, maybe some duvets so let's call it five grand there uh, you need to put a built-in cupboard you know that's a requirement for it to be seen as a room so let's say another five grand there you put a desk um, down there for nice desk, as well yeah are you looking i would say between like 15 and 20k if i had to put a rough figure just on the furnishings, furnishings yeah. um i think that'll get you across the line that might be a little bit aggressive but go you know yep. do your own research I and think then that obviously be. you're having to put the kitchen in as well um because it's shared communal accommodation you're gonna have to go put some sort of kitchen in there with fridges and appliances yeah and, and you also need things. one common room at least yeah, at least one common space with with you know natural light yeah so that's you know sometimes when i walk into a house i see four bedrooms and then the lounge and i think oh I'll quickly convert the lounge into a bedroom but you have to have that common area to to even if it's just chairs. a nice little breakfast nook if you have a fairly large kitchen put a nice breakfast table in there and i think for me the the, the lesson about student accommodation it's, it's not always about what's legally required and mandated it's a lot to do with what you think is quality and what you think is good and what the market expects yeah um <laughs> the, I, I viewed some properties in Bramfontein not too long ago that would never fly in Cape Town <laughs> oh really yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a different market yeah, that we play different market. which is quite interesting you have to learn what the market's doing and then you, if you want to do well in this industry you have to beat your competition mm. I, I spoke to a student in Bramfontein and he's paying three and a half thousand rand he's got a bed that's pretty much on cinder blocks yeah. and he doesn't have Wi-Fi and he doesn't have any sort of cleaning services yeah. and I'm like okay yeah. <laughs> i can definitely come into this market and do better yeah provide and, a better service and then charge four and a half grand but parents mm, are willing to pay that yeah or even Agreed. charge the same and then you'll be f at capacity with a massive waiting list because you're providing a quality of product above the market Agreed. it's good lawrence i appreciate your input awesome thanks for having me on the show again guys if you have any questions please filter them through to dave um love to answer any more brilliant thank you very much lawrence cheers thank you for joining us on prop chat brought to you by sa property investors network make sure you visit their website www.sapropertynetwork.com where you will find ebooks webinars newsletters training videos property assessment tools event tickets and much more hit subscribe in your podcast app so you'll never miss a show sa property investors network a place where property investors meet connect today expand tomorrow